Hi, and welcome to Here She Comes, Confessions of a Retired Vibrator Seller. I'm your host, Jasmine Aziz. I'm gonna shiver you, shake it, quiver you, shiver you up. Chapter 5 I slept fitfully throughout the night. I dreamt that Nick and I ran into each other at the gym. He looked lean and more tan than I remembered. I was shorter and fatter than I had ever been. He kept repeating the same phrase, Lena, you're not sexy, until his head morphed into a contorted version of a gargoyle. He chased me through a forest of chocolate-covered pretzel sticks and caramel-covered marshmallows, bearing teeth like fangs. Though I wanted to eat them, I was too afraid they would come to life and attack me, so I kept on running, my legs tight with pain I felt through my sheets. At the end of the forest, I emerged, screaming, as a building-sized dildo with my mother's face on it approached me. It shook its testicles at me like they were hands and yelled, Good Indian girls are not fat, like you! My eyes snapped open. I moaned loudly as I rose from the bed towards the washroom. My legs were so sore that for a moment I thought I had actually run through a forest of evil fattening treats until I remembered the spin class. I had the whole day ahead of me. No one to answer to, nothing to do that couldn't wait another day, and no motivation to do anything more than crawl back into bed. Refusing to let myself get trapped into old habits, I showered right after breakfast. The warm water soothed my aching muscles enough that I wasn't wincing in pain with every step. As I toweled off in the bathroom, I glanced at my reflection in the mirror above the vanity. Something Clarissa had said during her presentation suddenly sprang to my mind again. Men are born with their genitals on the outside of their bodies. Lucky them. Women, on the other hand, need to go and get a mirror and physically look at themselves, and we don't often do that. And if no one has told you before, then I'm telling you, you're beautiful. You're unique. Unique. I knew from a very early age in my life that I was different from everyone else, but not in the positive, self-affirming way that Clarissa had alluded to in her presentation. I looked down at the bushel of hair between my legs. Hair anxiety had plagued me from the growth of the very first follicle that ever sprouted on my body at the age of 10. My mother tried every home cure she had heard of to remove the hair permanently. Everything from turmeric-based powders that left my skin yellow and stubbly to religious prayers chanted in my ear when I was sleeping. I had a visible mustache until I hit grade school, the envy of most boys my age. Initially, my mother refused to let me wax it off or remove it. She said it was bad luck and that 40 more hairs would grow in their place. The day I came home with a black eye from being punched by another girl who called me Monkey Boy, my mother acquiesced and showed me how to remove the hair by using a piece of sewing thread pulled between my two thumbs. I could only keep up with the hair above my lip for so long. By the time I hit puberty, there was virtually no inch of my body that was not covered in hair with the exception of my eyeballs and teeth. In grade 9, our phys ed class went off school grounds so we could take part in swim lessons. My mother had agreed to let me shave my legs as long as I only did it before the class. In the change room at the pool, I saw the young girls in my class wearing two-piece bathing suits, their light skin luminescent and completely hair-free. I had removed all the hair from my shins, calves, and thighs, leaving the bushy tuft at the top in one piece. 
my mother was explicit in her instruction. Shave only the legs. Don't be looking anywhere else. You will go blind. No one wants a blind bride. I hadn't noticed the hair protruding out of my one-piece dark green swimsuit on both sides of my legs until one of the pretty blondes in my class pointed it out to the other girls and started laughing at me. I looked down at what she and her friends were aghast to see, but saw nothing wrong in the winged formation of hair flapping on either side of my suit. Despite my efforts to shove the two balls of fur into the elastic sides to hide them, they simply refused to be tucked away. They emerged like tiny afros on circus clowns, peeking their heads out of either side of a canvas tent. Ew, Lena, Joni, the head cheerleader, came over and loudly said to me, What's going on with your gitch? What? I asked innocently. I lost a stitch? Where? It looks like those cleaning pads my mom uses to scrub the pots. The girls laughed, and Joni feigned an empathetic shrug of her shoulders as if there was nothing she could do to stop all the other girls from staring at me. No flotation devices for Lena. She has her own. I shrank to the back of the change room and cried into the space between two lockers. The gym teacher who was running the class found me sobbing and asked me what was wrong. I wasn't brave enough to utter it out loud, so she forced me to join the other girls in the pool, where, to my horror, there was a lineup of boys whispering around Joni and her gaggle of girls who broke into hysterical laughter as soon as I entered the pool area. The gym teacher caught on to their mockery of me. Maybe it was the blatant finger-pointing or the monkey mimicking that caused her to pull me out of the class. Either way, I was grateful and relieved. From that day on, I learned to forge my mother's signature on notes excusing me from swim class. Jonathan never seemed bothered by the curly mass on my pubis, so I never gave it much thought the entire time we were going out. With Nick, there was little to no foreplay. He barely spent much time eyeball to furball on me. As a result, it never occurred to me that the trees in the forest might need trimming. I did on a few occasions catch Manny choking on an errant hair that had escaped the mass of its peers and would contemplate it was time for a trim, but by then complacency had set in so deeply that I couldn't find the motivation to do anything about it. Why did I need to look there anyway? I vaguely recalled Clarissa saying something about knowing what the boat looked like so you could direct the captain to the helm during her presentation. Mahjong doodled a cartoon of sperm at a ship's wheel on her paper and giggled when she showed it to me. The one quick glance I had been brave enough to take ended too fast for me to really create a strong visual image in my mind. I locked the bedroom and bathroom door, despite the fact that I was alone at home and dropped my towel on the floor, taking in my nakedness and the mad disarray of my damp, curly hair around my face. I needed a closer look. Somehow, the idea of jumping on the vanity and lifting my leg up to see myself felt beyond my flexibility. Perhaps, if my mother had let me take ballet when I was a young girl, I would be able to do it, but according to her... Ballet made your toes break and crack, and no one wanted a bride without feet. I found the small pink heart-shaped plastic mirror my daddy had gave me when I was in grade school. It was after one particularly memorable Valentine's Day. Our teacher asked us to make our own cards and secretly place them in pouches at the front of the person's desk that we admired most. I worked on my Valentines for a whole week, crafting each one by hand, 
and applying the Indian sparkles I removed from my intricate bedspread to them. I was sure they would be the most unique and treasured cards of all, and since I didn't want to exclude anyone, I made enough for the whole class. On Valentine's Day, my schoolmates eagerly tore open their pouches and read their cards. I opened mine. It was empty. Later that afternoon, I found several of the cards I had made dumped in the trash bin at the front of the class. I cried all the way home. My daddy went out the next day and bought me the plastic heart mirror. Look in this, Lena, when you want to see the only Valentine that counts, she said. She probably wouldn't approve of my use of it to look at my pubic area, but it was all I could find. I flicked my gaze over to the locked door. My heart started pounding. I spread my legs like I was about to straddle a pony and placed the mirror in between them. My eyes took a moment or two to focus. I almost expected a dramatic, aha, moment. But at first glance, all I could see was hair. Lots of hair. Upon closer inspection, I saw two thin brown flaps struggling to press through the massive bush of black curls. I held the mirror in place and pulled the hair to the side so I could get a better look. It seemed to happen in slow motion. I reasoned that deep in the forest of blackness, the two outer lips must be my outer labia. After poking them with my finger gingerly at first, and then more bravely after a few moments, I moved the two large lips aside to inspect what was struggling to get out from between them. Two brown, wavy at the edges inner flaps of skin, released themselves from the thicker hair-covered lips that had been hugging them. I tugged at them, but couldn't feel much. I spread them back, and like the petals of a flower opening, I saw the wonder of the inner skin of my vulva. There before my eyes was the softest-looking skin, vibrantly pink in color, a shade so fresh and bright it inspired me. What a great color for this spare bedroom. I started to laugh, imagining the look on Mr. Chopra's face at our local paint store. Mr. Chopra, I want to paint my office the color pink. What? He would say, bobbing his head. Okay, you pick, I mix. None of these colors quite match, Mr. Chopra. Have you got something more vibrant and fresh, like this? And then I whip my pants off and flash in my vagina. Clearly, there was too much blood rushing to my head. Holding the mirror with one hand and trying to explore with the other started to become an issue. I had to strain to keep the outer lips separated so I could continue to study what was inside. I managed to get one of my fingers on the same hand that was holding the flaps back to gently stroke the inner skin, and just as I imagined, it was as soft as it looked with the added bonus of being sensitive to the touch. The sudden tingle of pleasure made me instinctively gaze back up to the locked door. My heart started to pound again. I turned my attention back to the little mirror. I turned my focus up to the top where I saw the bump of a tiny little ball tucked inside the tent of a longer channel of skin. It looked like a little head without a body shielded under a blanket to keep it warm. Images of Clarissa standing in front of the crowd with her bobble ring, her hand mocking a hood, came floating back to my mind. It all started to make more sense. It became increasingly more difficult to keep holding all my skin back to look at everything I wanted to see. I pulled the mirror up closer towards me and switched my focus to the top portion. 
I pulled the hair away from the hood and was amazed to see how well the tiny little button stayed snuggled under its protective blanket. With my thumb, I managed to pull the hood back a bit and watched with amazement as the small bauble popped its head out like a turtle from its shell. I immediately retracted the hood and let the bump slip back to its hiding spot. I poked at it gently with my fingertip and instantly felt a rush of sensation float up from my legs. I caressed it a little more vigorously and noticed with amazement that every stroke seemed to reverberate around its center from the tip of my toes to the large flesh of my thighs. Unable to hold my skin and the mirror in place any longer, I uncurled my naked body back to its upright position and tossed the heart-shaped mirror into one of the drawers in the vanity. I stood staring at my naked form for a few minutes, wondering what other parts of my body were as sensitive as the pearly pink planes I had discovered under folds of skin and hair. I swept my fingers over my breasts, the passage of time showing itself in a discernible droop to what was once a perkier peak gently stroking the outside skin around to the front, watching them react to the sensation and temperature of my fingers against their tender flesh. My stomach bulged and flopped forward. It was creased in sections that looked like they were holding a place for where my clothes would be later. I traced the skin, crevices and all, rubbing gently and more aggressively in different areas to test sensitivity. As my hand passed over my hips from the ledge at my belly button where it seamlessly melted into the curve of my sides, I felt a sharp ripple of electricity shoot through me. I passed my palm over my hips again to make sure it wasn't a one-time trigger and felt the same pulse of pleasure. I smiled. That was a nice surprise. My thighs, still recovering from the intense workout, responded to a deeper massage. The small, virtually hairless patches at the very top where both legs blobbed against each other, was by far the most sensitive. My neck was easily stimulated, as were the tips of my earlobes, much to my delight. My arms and elbows caused a little reaction, but the feel of my fingertips against my palm created a lovely rush. Years of indulgence and negligence were obvious at first glance when I stared back at my naked form. I was far from looking like the sinewy wisp I was when I dated Nick. In the two years we were together, I had never stopped to appreciate my frame with so much less weight on it. Instead, when I looked in the mirror, all I saw were the same imperfections he saw. What would he think if he saw me now, so many years later, with so many more pounds on my body than when we had been dating? I turned the bathroom lights off, the dim Sunday morning sun the only light streaming in. I was fat. I was definitely fat. Lighting couldn't change that. My legs, stomach, and arms needed work. Images of Nick walking through the gym, his body larger and more muscular than I remembered, floated through my mind again. Familiar feelings of inadequacies I thought I had left far behind suddenly swept over me. I needed to do something to change the way I looked, to change the way I felt when I saw myself in the mirror. I grabbed my bathrobe and picked up my cell phone to text Mahjong. What are you doing today? I texted her. Getting a haircut, both above and below. Why? She texted back. I was thinking of getting a haircut, too. I texted her without being explicit about which hair I was referring to. Maybe I could just take Manny's nose hair trimmer to the bushel of pubic hair between my legs and give myself a tiny trim. 
What could it hurt? Before I had time to think about the logistics of using such a small trimmer on such a formidable mountain of hair, Mahjong was calling my home phone line. Lee, take my hair appointment with Gregory. No, I can't, I said, feeling fear replace momentary bravado. I'm serious. Take it, she insisted. It's in half an hour. I'll come and get you now. I barely had time to dress before she was at my door and pulling me out of my house into her car. The smell of the salon, the flying scissors, and the skinny young girls pushing brooms of hair around the floor sent me into full-blown panic. What the hell was I thinking? It was too spontaneous, too crazy. I hadn't had my hair cut professionally in almost four years. I'm not ready, I whined as Mahjong forcefully pulled me past the reception desk. You've been cutting that shag on your head by yourself for years now. Enough. I didn't have time to figure out how to back out before I was whisked away by a size 2 shampoo girl with pink and green highlights in her hair. Before I knew it, I was sitting in the chair of Mahjong's stylist, Gregory, a blatantly gay Chinese man who started to speak in a foreign tongue over my wet hair as it lay limply on my head. Tisk tisk. Gregory kept repeating as he clucked his tongue and shook his head. So bad, darling. Needs so much work. So much. Tisk tisk. As he combed my wet hair, fighting the tangles down to the split ends, I found myself thinking back to when I was a small child and my daddy would oil and braid my hair for me on the weekends. She applied coconut oil from a glass jar and would sing old Indian songs as she worked it into my hair. I couldn't understand what she was singing, but I loved hearing her soothing voice. She twisted my long hair into two braids and told me to wait at least a few nights before washing the oil out. One Monday, I decided I would wear my hair the way she had braided it to school. By the middle of the afternoon, the oil from my hair had soaked into the back of my shirt, leaving a large greenish stain on the fabric. A few of the kids noticed it and called me Greasy Green Alina for weeks after that. Gregory insisted that I needed to cut more than 12 inches of hair from my head in order for it to grow back more healthy. I resisted until Mahjong informed me that I could donate my ponytail to wig makers for cancer survivors. Cut it! I said, taking in a deep breath. Take what you need. It was for a good cause. At least that's what I would tell my mother and Manny, both of whom would be shocked to see me with so little hair left. When it was all said and done, Gregory had brilliantly styled my hair into a shoulder-length mass of layered curls with just the perfect hint of wild abandon. Did I imagine the other women in the salon looking with envy at my hair? or the girl sweeping the floor who winked affirmatively at me. Perhaps, but I was so overwhelmed by the smiles at every turn, not the least of which were from my own reflection, that I bought every hair product he instructed me to use to keep the look and vowed to follow through on the process. You look fantastic, Lee, Mahjong repeated in the car as I vainly checked my reflection in the passenger side mirror. I can't believe what a difference a haircut can make. I said. I can't believe I waited this long to get it done. Thanks so much again, Mahjong. No trouble at all, my friend. My new highlights and cut can wait. I'm kind of used to this color now anyway. You sore from this bin class? She asked as she drove down an unfamiliar street. I was worse last night. I wasn't sure if she was fishing to see if I had played with my toy or not. 
The thought of Bunty sitting silently waiting for me on my nightstand made me both sad and nervous. Where are we going? To my next appointment. It won't take long, if it's okay with you. Where is that? I'm getting my wonton waxed. You know, I always get my hair cut once every month. You mean your pubic hair? I whispered. Yes, that's what I mean. It won't take more than ten minutes, I swear. Then we can go for lunch and show off your new hairdo. I wanted to tell Mahjong that I had just been looking at myself in the mirror before I sent her a text that morning. What would she think of me? Knowing her, she probably not only looked at herself on a regular basis, but also had an 8x10 photo of her vagina on her mantle in her apartment. Um, I said slowly. Speaking of pubic hair, I was just looking at mine when I texted you this morning. Good girl. I think I might have to give it a trim when I get home, I said as matter-of-factly as I could. Mahjong slammed the brakes harder than she had to at the stop sign on the street corner. Are you kidding me? Take my appointment with Hannah. I insist. No, I couldn't. I regretted saying anything. I've already taken one of your hair appointments today. No, really, I don't have enough hair to worry about it. Hannah loves new clients. Oh my god, Lee. I'm super excited right now. Why did I feel like I was about to throw up? I'm scared, I said. What is she going to do? You'll see. Mahjong had a devilish grin on her face. The leftover red dye in her hair made her look like a satanic gremlin. Now I'm really getting nervous. I squirmed in my seat. Oh, shit. Mahjong thumped the steering wheel for emphasis. What's wrong? My voice went an octave higher. What? Oh, nothing. I just thought of something. The sheepish look on her face escalated my anxiety. What did you think of? Then more calmly, is it money? I have money. No, no, I'm going to pay. I want to be the first to buy you a Brazilian. It's going to be great. Wait! I felt panic cover me like a heavy, wet blanket. Brazilian? That means just the sides come off, right? That's not the one where it all comes off. Mahjong studied my face as my voice cracked with every other word. It means she will take off the hair. She's going to take it all off, Lee. She sounded so clinical and matter-of-fact that severe panic took over any rational thought. No way, I said, wringing my hands in my lap. No, no, no! Why not? What difference does it really make once it starts to come off anyway? In hindsight, I thought of at least a hundred different retorts to her comment. In that moment, I had none. Her logic seemed too practical, and I couldn't form an argument against it. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you, shiver you up.